With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. everybody and welcome to another episode of Victor's Valiant podcast here on mazeandbrew.com and SB Nation. My name is Vaughn Lozon. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. With me as always my two co-pilots here Colin Logsdon and Andy McDonald. Boys how are we doing today? Hey we're, we're doing all right doing all right. Just living the dream another Monday. That's right it's just another Monday morning. Well not really but uh, another Monday here, another Victory Monday. Uh, so it's always good to get back on track. Uh, you know, have have a good podcast for now. Um, you know, we're not talking about a loss <laughs> like we did last week. But uh, quickly before we True. get started, where can the listeners follow you guys on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at, at Andy underscore McDonald twenty three, and you can follow me at Cullen underscore Logston. All right, all right, and by the way, guys. This is not the only place that you can listen to our podcasts, uh, not just amazingbrew.com anymore. You can also subscribe to Amazing Brew Podcasts on iTunes and the Google Play Store so you can take our shows on the go. You'll get a notification uh, right when the show is posted, and it'll go right to your iPhone or your Android phone. That's Amazing Brew Podcasts on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, so without further ado, let's uh, let's just get into this. Uh, Michigan traveling to Indiana. The last time we traveled to Indiana, it was uh, quite the game. Went into multiple overtimes, and this one went into overtime as well. It was 27-20 to 20 in favor 
of the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, the game-winning touchdown was a Karan Higdon 25-yard rushing touchdown that initially looked like it was going to be stopped right at the line of scrimmage, but he bounced right to the left, uh, got outside, beat the uh, lone linebacker that he had to uh, get past, and scampered his way into end zone. And uh, Indiana, it looked like they were going to have another uh, good offensive drive in their first overtime, um, but that kind of got stalled right at the goal line yet again. Uh, I think that happened the last time that Michigan played Indiana in overtime. I think they got down to the one. They did the same thing. Basically yep. got stuffed. This for, one, uh, two. Yep. This one reminded was, me a lot of the Minnesota game, honestly. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was uh, yeah, uh, yeah, going to draw a comparison to there was, was that Minnesota game back in uh, 2015 when Wilton Spate had to come in in relief of Rudock for uh, his injury. Mm-hmm. But, but they got to the one-yard line, uh, got stuffed. I think Gary had the stop on first down. Uh, and basically I went, went all the way to the fourth and goal, and uh, Tyree Kennel got the game-clinching interception. Uh, Michigan just covered the spread. I think it was right at six and a half or uh, seven. It was real close. But uh, offense, uh, tale of two stories, really. Passing game did not look very good. John O'Corn went 10 of 20, uh, 58 yards. But the rushing game, led by Kron Higdon, um, it, it was stellar. Um he carried the rock 25 times, had 200 yards. That's an eight-yard average. Had three touchdowns. Had a 59-yard touchdown at one point. Um, Isaac, for the few carries that he had, he had seven of them. He looked pretty good. He averaged five over five uh, a carry at 38 yards. Uh, Eddie McDoom finally got back for his sweep roll. Uh, he had he got a first down. He got 12 yards. Cream Walker, uh, a guy that we haven't really talked about all that much, he got a carry. And uh, actually looked really good in the process of carrying the ball. He picked up a first down. He got eight yards. Uh, the one guy that um, really struggled in this game was was Chris Evans. But uh, you're going to have those games as long as those three other guys really, uh, you know, put up their end of the bargain. I, th- I think we were uh, more than okay with Chris Evans only having five yards on eight carries as long as Higdon was kind of carrying the torch that entire game with 200. But uh yeah, O'Corin overthrew a couple guys. Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, would have been a walk-in touchdown for him uh, if he was hitting stride. And then I think uh, one of the tight ends, I, I believe it was Zach Gentry, he uh, just missed him as well. But, um, you know, that's going to happen. They carried it more often than they passed it, which is uh, kind of what I hoped that they had done against Michigan State. That wasn't the case, but they learned from their ways. They carried more often than not. Uh, the run schemes were working to perfection. The offensive line did not give up a sack this entire game. I think that's the first time all season that a Michigan quarterback didn't get sacked, so it's good to see some progress from the offensive line. Um, you know, for the most part, I thought the defense played real well. They finally gave up points in the fourth quarter for the first time all season. Gave up 10 of those. That's what forced overtime. But when it really mattered in overtime, they uh, stiffened up and they got the work, uh, got the job done. So overall, I'd say a a pretty uh, above-average performance from the team. Uh, of course, you're going to want to uh, see more progress, pro- progress and uh, expect a lot more uh, come next week when we uh, play Penn State. But I want to talk a little more about the defense today because there were a lot, a lot, a lot of penalties in that Indiana game uh, this past Saturday. I believe there were 16 penalties. Um you know, there were at one point there were three penalties on just one play. I think there was an offsides, there was a roughing the passer, and then uh, possibly a, a holding, defensive holding. I think was the other one. 
Um, but yeah, 16 penalties for 141 penalty yards. That's not too good. 16 penalties, that's a uh, program record now. Indiana was only penalized five times for 55 yards, uh, so not too bad on their end. But, I mean, what, what do you guys take away from, from the penalties and, uh, I guess, how the defense reacted to um, everything and kind of stiffened up there towards the end? Colin, we'll start with you. Uh, I thought the defense was good for the most part. Um, obviously, what was concerning, like you said, was all those penalties, just kind of a lack of discipline. I knew they obviously they were antsy after the week before, and obviously with the offense, you know, hasn't exactly been reliable so far this season, so the defense, you know, has had to kind of take charge of the team. But, uh, yeah, it just seemed they were kind of out of whack a little bit. Too many penalties, but like you said, Vaughn, they got the job done when they needed to. I loved the way uh, Levert, uh, Levert Hill played. Obviously, he had that one awesome interception taken back in the first quarter came back in the fourth quarter and what it had what should have had the uh what should have been the game what clinching interception he kind of acted like the receiver boxed him out and kind of brought it down with one hand just an awesome play um and then uh obviously Mo Hurst was great again just been an absolute monster last couple weeks maybe been the best defensive tackle in college football last few weeks just absolute animal Gary's been really coming on Harbaugh said him and Hurst were the best linemen this week um, I like what I'm seeing out of those guys for the most part. You know, obviously the penalties need to be need to be fixed, but the defense is alert, the least of our concerns. That's what's going to keep us in the game this week at Penn State. I'm still confident in the defense. Don Brown knows what he's doing, and I think this group uh, is still looking really good. I agree. Yeah, I, I think they they will be able to uh, correct those mistakes heading into Penn State, and I kind of do think that it was a little reactionary because of the game last week against Michigan State. What say you, Andy? Um, you know, overall, it definitely a good performance. I mean, when you only allow 20 points in a game, that's, that's never bad overall. But I do think the one thing that, you know, that, that was kind of disappointing, I guess, from, from Michigan's defense was, I mean, under four minutes, I know there's only, tw- I, it, like, 20 points isn't, you want your offense to score more points. When you're up by 10 points under, you know, four minutes to go, you kind of expect your defense to be able to close the deal and just win the game right there, especially defenses like Michigan. And they weren't able to get the uh, job done. They allowed those 10 unanswered points in the game and allowed, kind of allowed the game to go to overtime. And I know Michigan's offense couldn't kill the clock, but, I mean, regardless, they let them kind of march on the field and score on them a couple times. That was definitely the one negative point of the game. But other than that, I mean, this defense is overall just – I mean, they, they're just continuing to do what they have done all season. I think it's just getting to the point where, you know, you, you put an emphasis on it to talk about it in this podcast for a reason because people just kind of, you know, take it as granted at this point that Michigan's defense is just going to be that good because it has been that good for that long. So them being able to do what they've done consistently now is really good. It's going to hold them in games because Michigan's offense can't do enough right now on the two one-dimensional, just a running game. I mean, obviously they didn't use enough Mm -hmm. against Michigan State. They finally did against Indiana, kind of gave them the the chance to win the game there. But, I mean, right now they're they're just two one-dimensional on offense. This defense is going to have to keep being this good all season. And, yeah, like, like Colin said, the defensive line play has just been absolutely fantastic um, the past couple of weeks. And that definitely starts with Hurst and Gary up front. They've both been playing good. Gary's getting a lot more pressure. And, and, and like uh, Brock, uh, I can't think of his name, the ESPN announcer, he kept saying uh, during the game, you know, Gary's the, Gary's the kind of guy that his stat sheet doesn't show it, but he's going to be you know, a top-ten draft pick easy when he does go to the draft, more than likely probably after the season. Um, so when you look at it in that way, they just have a great defensive line. It's kind of the focal point of their defense. And they were able to shut down most things Indiana threw at them. There's another, another running quarterback, even though he was a freshman, a guy that kind of get away, and Michigan was able to handle him for the yeah, most Gary's part Yeah, Gary's actually got one more year. He's just a true sophomore this season, so we'll we'll get him for uh, one more season. Thank, thank God, because, uh, yeah, like you said, he is an animal. Uh, <laughs> he got a sack in this game. I think he, well, technically it was two half sacks, but he was he was causing havoc all game long, and, and the uh, – 
run stoppage for him is is insane too. With him and Mo Hurster, two of the best in the business. But uh, also the secondary has really been the unsung hero of the defense, especially this past week against Indiana. Lavert Hill looked like an All-American cornerback. He was like Jordan Lewis back there, uh, getting that interception. Really, really nice interception for him. And like I said earlier, Tyree Kinnell had the uh, probably the easiest interception he'll ever make. Um, but still, it was good that he was able to keep his hands on the ball and make sure that there wasn't some uh, crazy tip drill that happened there in the back of the end zone. So it's good to see them uh, really perform. David Long, uh, he came in really nice on uh, a sack play with, I think it was Gary, that that was one of his half sacks. Uh, David Long uh, came in off the corner blitz and showed some real nice speed and agility to get to the quarterback. So the cornerbacks, uh, whether it's in pass protect or uh, uh, pass defense or uh, rushing the quarterback, they look really good, don't they, Colin? Yes, they do. Yeah, it's been uh, absolutely fantastic so far. I mean, you can't – no complaints in that in that uh, that part of the game for Michigan. No, none of – no, I, I don't think we, <laughs> we really have a lot to complain about the defense at this point uh, other than those penalties that I wanted to touch on. But I mean, how can you know, when, they're, when they're getting the rankings and numbers that they are? I mean, numbers speak for themselves, and they you know, ranking the top of almost every chart and category. I mean – with, with how bad their offense is and leaves them on the field, there's really no reason to be upset The, the only thing I can't say about the defense is maybe they can force more turnovers. Obviously had none against right. Michigan State. I don't think they had any yeah. except maybe the one last-second football against Purdue. And I think there was one other game, too. I think it's either Air Force or Cincinnati. They didn't have any turnovers either. So they get a ton of three and outs, but if they can get more turnovers, yeah. that only helps the offense even more. They actually did have a, a, exactly. they had a few turnovers in that Cincinnati <laughs> game because they had two pick sixes. That's really what. Oh, maybe yeah, it was Air, oh, yeah. Air Force. They didn't Air force, force any turnovers yeah. because Air Force was running the entire time. And I, I'm not sure how many forced fumbles the defense has this season. I can't imagine it's all that much. I, I know that they had the one on Florida's final offensive play in, in the first opening game, but I can't think of another uh, forced fumble or fumble recovery that, that the defense yeah, has. They need more of those. That's yeah, the I would agree. I can, that's the only thing you can really say about this defense. If that's all that we can really say that they can improve on as a as a whole, as a defensive whole, uh, that, that's really saying something. And, and obviously, uh, I don't think this is that much of a hot take, but I would say that Don Brown's the best defensive coordinator in the game. Um, he, he could easily be, um, you know, a head coach at anywhere. But with him wanting to stay with Michigan and say that he's got as good of a job as he does, uh, that makes me feel a little good at least. But it's good to hear that uh, that he's enjoying his time at Michigan and and he is. Uh, he's he's really a game changer because the defense in the past two years um, really looks a lot different from from him and Durkin. Um, but but yeah, it's it's been good so far. So um, want to move on real quick to uh, Penn State. I mean, do we think that there's still going to be these penalty uh, uh, the crazy penalties and all this stuff going on against Penn State at night uh, in uh, Happy Valley? No way. No way. You know Harbaugh's going to have that. That's going to have them all worked up. Better not be. There's no way <laughs> yeah. to have that many. Um, if, if they don't, they're going to struggle a lot. You can't. You simply can't make those kind of mistakes all game against a team like Penn State. Top five team in the country. I mean, you get, you get the hype and everything around it. It's a whiteout. They made it that for a reason. They want their crowd there to make it harder on Michigan. And not even so much on the defensive side. Obviously, those penalties will kill you all game, too. If you give players like Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley extra first downs to keep moving the ball, that's never going to help you. But especially on the offensive side, um, you know, when Michigan gets the ball and has a chance, maybe they're maybe they're doing a drive. It's the little penalties like a false start or a holding or something like that 
that they really need to focus yeah. on not making this week because you saw how big it was in a game like Michigan State, who, in my opinion, is not any better is not better than Penn State. It, you can see how big the holding on Kron Higdon in that game, um, just just the minor the minor the minor little errors that Michigan made, and then there was one later where Kron Higdon had a big run and they got called back from a holding. You can't have those kind of penalties in this kind of a game because it's just going to set back an offense that's struggling even more. And you're not going to be able to beat a team like Penn State or even stay in the game because eventually your defense is going to get too tired to keep you know, making stops on, on the other side. So penalties can really kill a drive and take an offense off a of field and really turn the time possession um, in the other offense's favor by just giving them the ball back and ending drives quicker for Michigan. So they really need to put a focus on not having those penalties this week because it's really going to hurt them if they continue to do what they did. 16 penalties just isn't acceptable right. for any team. You, you won't win many games like that. Yeah. What I can say that's a big story that no one's talking about for this game, this is the first time all season Michigan's not favored in a game. So they're not mm-hmm. the team with all the pressure on them. They're going to be playing a lot more relaxed. Penn State's going to be the one that says, hey, Michigan's had our number. You know, they, uh, with Franklin as coach, we haven't beat them yet. They've owned us, uh, what is it, four straight years, three straight years killed us last year the pressure's on us this is supposed to be yeah. our year to win the national title they're the ones supposed to be rebuilding all the pressure is on penn state in this game if michigan loses it's like okay we expected that michigan wins i mean it's like holy crap what an upset so they're gonna be it's kind of like michigan state a couple weeks ago you know they had all to game but little to lose mm-hmm. in ann arbor so they're the ones playing relaxed while michigan was the ones that were playing all tight and uh and uh you know all frustrated all game i think it's gonna be the same this weekend for michigan they're going to be loose. Penn State's going to be, you know, uptight, all nervous all game. So I don't think you're going to see nearly the mistakes uh, by Michigan in this game. Well, one thing I will say is I think Jim Harbaugh cares about this game a lot. Oh, yeah. um, I, I don't think there's any way that he can't. I, I think with the loss to Michigan State earlier this season, I think he re- he needs to get this kind of a win to get this fan base back on his side from where it is right now because I think a lot of people are like, man, this is two straight games because, I mean, for me, I look at those penalties, and you kind of got to point to coaching a little bit. That, that's, that makes you look unprepared or undisciplined. So it's two straight weeks where you can look back at coaching a little bit and not be that good. Even if Michigan loses this game, they need to come out and be a well-coached team and not make mistakes with turnovers and bad penalties and just not looking prepared as a coaching staff to adjust to the game and make adjustments during the game to be able to hang around in this one. I, th- I think there is a lot of pressure on Michigan's There's a little bit staff. of pressure on Michigan's coaching staff, but I'd say there's a hell of a lot more on Penn State's. Like Colin was saying, I mean, this, this oh, yeah. is about as hype of a game that you can get uh, for the fans. It's going to be a whiteout. It's at night. Um, it's at your house. I mean, this is a game. They lose. It looks horrible it's, it for looks really bad. James Franklin, the guy that turned the program around last season after that 49-10 to 10 belting at the big house. Uh, they ran the table in the regular season, won the Big Ten Championship against Wisconsin in epic comeback portions, went to the Rose Bowl, and were uh, – really just three points away from uh, beating USC, who was also one of the hottest teams in the country last season. Uh, yeah, I'm, there is a ton of pressure on James Franklin uh, to get this done. This, this, and th- there is a little bit on Harbaugh as well. Uh, this would easily be Harbaugh's biggest win at Michigan, by far, hands yep. down. Um, you know, you can't really get much bigger than primetime at night on the road in a game that you are uh, not favored no. in. I think Penn State right now are 11 and a half. 12 and a half I I think it's something at that point um but yeah I mean it's it's well more than a touchdown almost two touchdowns so if Michigan's able to go in there get the job done win and then come back home I mean at that point you don't really have another big game uh for another month when you go to Wisconsin so uh, I I think Michigan's gonna really put cruise control on if, if they're able to get the job done at Penn State and I I think that at that point 
this young team would be so confident that I think that they would be able to compete with any other team right now, especially the Ohio States and Wisconsin's right at the end of the schedule. So, but absolutely. it's a breaking point for yeah. Michigan this season. This game to me, it's hundred yeah. percent the breaking point. If they lose this game, you got two losses. You're not going to the playoff at that point. And the rest of the games are kind of just, you know, there to f- finish the schedule. It's between playing yeah. for a lot and not playing yeah, for much at, at all. Yeah, at that point, it, it, yeah. it's really run the table um, and you're in the playoff. But if you slip up, yep. um, you know, one one more game, it's it's essentially a bid to one of those, uh, you know, maybe not a New Year's Six Bowl, but, uh, you know, one of the other ones, maybe the Outback Bowl or something like that. But um, but I, what are the keys to victory uh, for Michigan this weekend, Colin. Number one, slowing down uh, Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I think that's yep. pretty obvious. You got to stop that guy. <laughs> but they've done a good job against him last couple of years. I think last year he landed 50 yards rushing. Year before, similar story. Um, but it's limiting him in the backfield and uh, catching passes as well because we've seen in both aspects. Obviously, he might return a punt or a kickoff or a return as well. Got to keep the ball out of his hands. Got to limit him. I know they said in practice today, Harbaugh said, uh, Devin Bush and Cleek Hudson are tasked with uh, slowing him down. That makes it feel yep. good knowing your best two linebackers will be all over him all game. And then uh, the other thing is just protect the football. You cannot turn the ball over in this game. If they have, if you have more than one turnover, it's already over. So Corn has to protect it. The running backs had to protect it. You uh, win the turnover battle, you give yourself a chance. So I think, and Penn State also leads the nation in turnovers as well. So, yep. Or they were tied with CMU. But, yeah, CMU didn't get any. So, yeah, they're still tied with 17 in the nation. You cannot turn the ball over. St- slow down Saquon Barkley. Um, maybe win the turnover battle. You have a chance in a huge Andy, game. Andy, what are the keys to victory for you? I think a lot of what Colin said about Saquon Barkley is 100% right, and I think that that comes down to those guys in the second level being able to stop him a lot because – a lot of what makes Saquon Barkley so good is the explosive plays that he does, whether it's on a kickoff or it's on you know breakaway a breakaway run that he gets after he gets to the first level defenders. I don't think it's any question that they try to run between the tackles. I think that Saquon Barkley Saquon Barkley won't find much success. I mean, not many running backs have against Michigan's defense the past few years. It's going to be balancing outside, and when he gets a chance to be able to go up against those young cornerbacks or secondary members, that that's that's when it's really going to come down if they can stop him or not, and you know holding to a seven or eight yard game compared to letting him get some 60 yard breakaway run touchdown. That's where he gets a lot of his yards from. And a lot of the games that he's had, he gets those explosive plays. So stopping the big plays and holding him in check to not being able to beat him all game like that and getting Penn state's offense off the field more or less, which is pretty obvious uh, that that would help a lot. That's definitely key to the game for Michigan Um, for their offense. It's just slowing things down. Um, Trying to run the offense and John O'Corn, I saw an article today, um, by Aaron McMahon, where he said, you know, that it, it's on him right now. He's simply not playing well enough, and he's obviously going to be the guy again this game. John O'Corn needs to come out and make the simple passes. He needs to make the check down passes, um, find the guys underneath to be able to get the yards that he can instead of simply instead of trying to make the big play all the time or the big throw. Um, 58 yards isn't going to do it against Penn State. I'll tell you that right now. There, there's absolutely no way Michigan wins the game yeah. if he only throws for that much. Because, you know, I, as much as Kron Higdon deserves a lot of credit for getting 200 yards and three touchdowns against Indiana, it's Indiana's defense. So that's not going to happen probably this week. I mean, 100 yards is definitely doable if they have a balanced offense. But that's the thing. Michigan can't have a one-dimensional offense. If they do, they're not going to win this game. So it's being able to have some kind of a pass game and mm-hmm. offense being able to get offensive line being able to give John O'Connor yeah, some say protection some time to make key, those decisions. Number one. Yep. Obviously, don't turn the ball over. But, I mean, if John O'Corn can even get just 150 passing yards, I, I think most of us would be satisfied with that. If he can just be a game manager, make the right decisions, don't force a throw into double coverage or anything like that, 
I think we'll all be happy. And um, I'll go ahead. It's a, no, you're good. It's really what you're saying right now. Sorry to interrupt, but it's 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 just it's you can go back to the Michigan State game. You can look at the same thing. Now in the rain, it's obviously a lot different. The conditions were different, but Michigan was so one dimensional that Michigan State could put so many guys in the box that even when Michigan did try to run up the tackles a lot, they could stop it. What you're saying about throwing 150 yards, that's exactly right. If they exactly. can even do that much, it keeps Penn State having to guess, and then it opens up holes for a guy like Higdon against a much better defense. And Higdon obviously has shown that he can run and break through tackles and make plays. So if you give him the chance to be able to do that. That, that's going to be a huge difference in this yeah, game. Hayden has to have a big game. Exactly. I mean, they have to be able to run the ball like they have in the past yeah. weeks, no doubt. And But that starts with the quarterback and the offensive line being able to do their jobs first. You can't – against Indiana, you can bounce off tackles. You can make highlight plays like that. Against Penn State, more or less, it's not going to happen a lot. So they have to have more than just one dimension to that offense. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, even if – I would try to simplify things – for the quarterback position at this point, because we we don't have a star quarterback uh, right now. John O'Corn, he is not a star corner uh, quarterback. So if you can just simplify things, get him the short passing routes that what they were doing against Purdue that worked really well, really well with uh, the tight ends like Sean McCune and Zach Gentry. Just pick up some chunk plays time and time again. Whether it's just two yards or five yards, you're still getting something. You're not turning the ball over. You're not stopping the clock because you want that clock to continue to tick as much as you can. You want to slow down that game. Um, you want to basically have the ha- uh, game in the palm of your hands. You control the clock. You control the game. And if they're able to do that, run the ball well with Higdon again, um, I-, I think that'll suit really well for the offense. But, yeah, for the defense, I would say make some big plays. You got to, whether it's a sack or even forcing pressure on Trace McSorley uh, to get erratic in the pocket, yep. he's going to throw – some uh, erratic passes at some point in that game. That's just how Trace McSorley balls, man. That's just how he rolls. He throws up a ball, and it's basically just a God-sent prayer. Um, He was doing that all against uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship uh, last year, and a lot of them – yeah, exactly, and a lot of them went into his favor. And uh, I I just can't foresee that really working against Michigan's defense uh, this weekend. So if you can get some pressure on him, uh, blitz as often as you can – and uh, make sure that you got Saquon Barkley, um, you know, in check. I, I think that those are really the only few keys to the defense. I, I think the defense is going to get their job done. Um, but you got to limit the big plays with him. Make sure that uh, uh, Barkley is is contained and in check, like they did last year. Like you said, Colin, I think he only had 50 or 60 something yards. Um, they they did a really nice job last year. I would yeah, expect I'm- them to do the same this year. So I, I think that the keys to the, <laughs> the keys to victory sound really easy, but uh, yeah, once, yeah. once you get out of the field, it, it becomes a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, I can I can tell you one thing: Penn State is not the number two team in the country. I can tell you that much. They played nobody so far, so this is their first real test against the actual defense. We'll see if they can answer the bell. I remember Harbaugh has had Franklin's number. So we'll see if psychologically Franklin can finally uh, overtake, you know, can, can finally leap that obstacle. We'll see. And, then, and they, they struggled against Iowa, whether it was on the road or not. It's obviously a very tough place to play. If, you know, Penn State didn't score a lot of points in that game, at one point they were, you know, under 10. So, it, it, like, it midway through the game. So, like, when you look at it from that standpoint, there's no reason that Michigan's defense shouldn't be able to keep this, them in the game. So, I don't really. I, I don't think it's as much of a focus on the defense. I think if the offense can do their job just somewhat, it helps Michigan's defense enough. Because 
Penn State's going to score some points. They're not going to get shut out in this game or anything like that. It just has to be accepted. Michigan's offense just has to be able to find a way to put together some drives and give Michigan's defense a yep. break. Yep, exactly. So moving on to our last segment here really quick. We're running out of time here. Um, you know, recruiting watch. Uh, we got a recruitment coming um, or a recruitment, uh, I, I guess, commitment possibly coming at the end of the week here on Friday, I think at 6 p.m., uh, one of the top tight ends in the country, Mustafa Muhammad, in the 2018 recruiting cycle. He's going to be committing. Michigan is heavily in the mix. Texas is also heavily in the mix. Uh, so I'll, I'll just ask you real quick, Colin, what do you like about this kid, and do you think he commits to Michigan on Friday? What I like about him, he's almost like a hybrid of um... – let me say, like Zach Gentry and Tyron Wheatley Jr., super, super athletic, super big, but he's also, you know, a great blocker, um, knows how to run routes really well. He's almost just kind of like a do-it-all yeah. tight end. You know, he's not, he's not an amazing pass catcher, not an amazing blocker, but he does both of them really well. Seems like a humble kid, um, puts up big stats. Um, I just think he's a great all-around player, and I do like Michigan's chances. You know, I, mean, I wrote an article um, midway through the summer, five targets Michigan had yeah. to get. I mean, no, I did three targets Michigan had to get the rest of the recruiting process. He was one of them. So it's got to be um, – they, they need him this week. And I like Michigan's chances. They've been the favorites all along. He's going blue, I think, in my book. Yep. I, I think uh, I think Michigan's got a really good chance of getting him. It, it seems like he's been the favorite um, – or Michigan's been the favorite to land him Hello? all along. So um, it should be pretty good but uh, for Michigan's chances. But we will oh, find out Friday at 6 p.m., I believe, is uh, the commitment time. I don't know if there's going to be a, a Twitter announcement or – whatever's going on but we will find out on friday um i think that's really all the time we got today so for colin and andy i am vaughn and we will talk to you guys next time go blue